0: to think that was wild. Uh, Don't you wish we could kind of go back to those days? I know Dr. Carpenter does because I've been in his car and I know he likes to listen to to that kind of music and uh, I don't blame him. So Elvis was born to Vernon and Gladys Presley in a two-room house in Tupelo, Mississippi on January the 8th, 1935. He and his parents moved to Memphis, Tennessee in 1948 and over the course of his career Elvis starred in 33 successful movies, he made history with his television appearances and, and specials. He had great acclaim because of his uh, record breaking live concert performances all over the world and especially in Las Vegas. Uh, globally, did you know this? That Elvis had sold, he sold over a billion records. A billion. That was with a B. A billion, he, more than any ever any other artist has ever sold. His American sales have earned him gold, platinum, or multi-platinum awards for 150 different albums and singles. Far more than any other artist, he's won. Uh, he has 14 Grammy nominations, and he's won three times. Uh, he received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award when he was 36 years old, uh, and just his career was marked by continuous success. Uh, he died at the age of, uh, well, how old was he? I'd have to do the math. I know where he died. He died in Memphis in Graceland in 1977 on August 6th, 16th. I can still remember crying. Can you believe that? I, I cried two times during Elvis's career. Once was when he came back. The, I think he was in Hawaii, and he came back, and he was so stinking large. From what I remember when he was younger, and I'd watched all of his movies and was such a fan, and then I looked at him, and I saw the shape he was in, and I just felt so... Was that the Hawaii one? I don't know. But he just, maybe it was the Las Vegas one. He just looked terrible. I cried then. It was the Las Vegas one, right? And I cried then. Then when he died, I cried again, just... A kid, but in 1992, the U.S. Postal Service announced that Elvis's image would be used for a postage stamp, and the stamp was released on January the 8th, 1993, and it is the most sold commemorative stamp in history. That one stamp was sold more than any other stamp in history. Did you know that today, even after all these years, that he's been dead, and by the way, he is dead, uh, okay? And there, there's no doubt he is dead. We'll talk more about that on Easter. He is dead. Uh, but uh, even though he's been dead all these years, there are still 625 active Elvis fan clubs today that still buy his music, that still think he's the king. Now, the truth is, is that Elvis didn't accomplish all this by himself. We, we like to think that it was just all about him and that he pulled it off all by himself, but the truth is he didn't do it just by himself. He had help. And so he had these friends that were around him that were part of his band. And and Elvis decided to call them the Memphis Mafia. The only problem was is that Priscilla didn't like the mafia connotation, so she encouraged him to come up with another name. And what he came up with was this, the TCB band, right? And here was the band. It was a four-piece group. It was made up of a piano player. It was made made up of a drummer, a bass player, And a guitar player, really rough rock and roll guys. Can you tell by how they look? They were really rough, weren't they? Uh, But they helped him. And and somehow out of that, the, the idea of TCB, which stood for taking care of business, became more than a slogan to Elvis. It became, in fact, his life motto motto it 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 was on everything if you go back and and do some research you find out that that the initials tcb were on necklaces and on rings and on all of his jewelry he would hand it out to his friends and then if you go into his house this is his tv room you're looking at the logo was on his tv room it was on the tail of the uh, of his personal jet that he owned he put it everywhere and in fact if you go to the next one it's even on his on his tombstone you see it right down there on the bottom next to the cross tcb Everywhere he went, he, he was consumed and driven by these three letters, TCB, taking care of business. And you say, well, Steve, what does that have to do with us? Why are you giving us a history of rock and roll or, or Elvis and what does that really matter? I want to say to you this morning as we begin this new series that the reality is, is that these, three, these same three letters, taking care of business, should have significant meaning to us, not because a rock icon made them famous and not even because at a later point a, a song would come out that would make it famous, but these three letters have significant emphasis, uh, s- s- special meaning. I'm going to get through this this morning. For us, and here is why, because of all the names that describe us as followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, raise your hand, right? Everybody in the room, hopefully. You follow Jesus, and there are a lot of names that can describe us. Like, you, this one's kind of odd to us now, but how about Saint? Come on, turn to your neighbor say, hey, hey Saint, how you doing? Did you know that that we could call you a, a saint? We can call you a disciple we can we can call you a member of the body of Christ if you're old school you'll even go up to folks and and because we believe in this this body and family so much we'll say hey brother so and so and hey sister so y'all ever remember doing that growing up i called everybody i i couldn't call them by their first name i had to call call them by brother so and so or why because it was the name but of all the names of all the descriptive terms of all the the things that we could be called there is one particular term that is the most Descriptive and carries with it the greatest responsibility. I want to remind you of that name this morning, because I think we forget about that. This is what we really are. Because the name that describes us the best, are you ready? Is priest. Now, let me stop and, re- and assure you we are priests. According to First Peter chapter two verse nine, the Bible says this: "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood." a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, most of the time we read this portion of Scripture, and what happens is in just, just briefly, just quickly, we just glibly pass over this idea that when it says priesthood, that what goes over in your mind is the white clerical collar and the rosary beads, or if you're like, I, I am, and I've been in church all my life, what goes over in my mind is that jinglish little song we used to sing. Remember that? For ye are a chosen children. Mm-hmm. That one, you remember that? Nobody remembers that song? We sang it all the time, right? And we never stop to think that when it says that we are a priest, that that term carries with it incredible responsibility. We pass over it too quick. We never stop and really think about the responsibilities that, have, that we have. So what I want to do over the next few weeks is I want us to go on a journey back into the Old Testament. And I want us to look at what the priests did on a daily basis because the truth is, is that priests have a lot of responsibility that is, that is mandated on them by God. And the truth is this morning, hear me, is that we ought to wake up every morning and go, TCB, I got business I should be taking care of. I have responsibilities that God has placed in my life. And if I'm not put, not taking care of those responsibilities, I'm fulfilling those duties, I am late for work. It should be more than just a slogan. This should be something that should drive us on a daily basis as we remember what we're called to do. And so let's find out. We're going to look at two of the duties that the priest had to carry out. Two specific duties this morning. First turn to, I hope you brought your Bibles. I know we put it up on the screen, but don't get lazy on me. Bring your Bibles and read it for yourself so that God can bring you into scriptures around it and see the context. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and then verse 9, and then verses 29 through 30, and then we're going to jump to Deuteronomy 10, verse 8, and we're going to look at two of the responsibilities of the priests. Here we go. And Jehovah spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, or a scab, or a bright spot, and it become in the skin of his flesh the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and if the hair in the plague be turned white, and the appearance of the plague be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is the plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. And if the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and the appearance thereof be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof not be turned white, then the priest shall shut, him up, shut up him that hath the plague seven days. And the priest shall look on him the seventh day, and behold, if in his eyes the plague be at stay, and the plague not, be not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven days more. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day, and behold, if the plague be dim and the plague not, be not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread abroad in the skin, after he hath showed himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall show himself to the priest again. Verse 9, when the plague of leprosy is in a man, then he shall be brought unto the priest. And when in verse twenty nine and when a man or woman hath a plague upon his head or upon the beard, then the priest shall look on the plague and behold, if the appearance thereof be deeper than the skin and there be in yellow, a yellow, thin hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a skull. It is a leprosy of the head or of the beard. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse eight it says at that time. Jehovah set apart the tribe of Levi Levi, to bear the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah, to stand before Jehovah, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. The first duty that the priest had responsibility for was this one. They had to diagnose sickness. Their responsibility was walk through the camp and to be so sensitive to the people around them and the congregation around them that when they saw people, they could diagnose and realize, yes, they're sick or no, they're not. And not only were they supposed to diagnose, they were supposed to to prescribe remedies. Do you understand the implications of that for us today? Because Jesus reinstated that for us as priests. I can point you to Matthew chapter 10 and verses 7 through 8, which says this. It says, As you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. If Jesus was standing here this morning, he would say, T-C-B take care of business. He reinstates it again in Mark chapter 16 verses 14 through 18. He says still later as the eleven were eating supper he appeared and took them to task most severely for their stubborn unbelief refusing to believe that those who had seen him raised up then he said go into the world now we love to quote this verse of scripture because it talks about witnessing but he goes further than that because he says go into the world go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all whoever believes and is baptized is saved whoever refuses to believe is damned these are some of the signs that's this. they're supposed to follow us as priests these are the signs that will accompany believers they will throw out demons in my name they will speak in new tongues they will take up snakes in their hands they will drink poison and they will not be hurt they will lay hands on the sick and make them well Our job, one of our jobs, one of our duties as a priest is to diagnose sickness and disease and prescribe remedies. You know what I've discovered? We don't do that very well. And so I begin to ask God, why don't we get to the place where we can walk among our friends, walk among our families, walk into our office at work and recognize that somebody's not doing very well? Why? Why? why why if we've been still if we are still called to be priests and we are still supposed to be able to have the power and the authority to lay hands on people and bring wholeness not just physical sickness but spiritual sickness as well why do we not do that and i believe the lord gave me five reasons are you ready for them number 1 the reason most of us cannot diagnose and help anybody else is because we're not healed ourselves see There's this whole phrase, this whole question that goes like this, or statement, Physician, heal thyself. How can you help anybody else get healed if you're not healed? And the truth is this morning is that, that most of us are so overtaken by our own issues and our own sickness and our own diseases that we are not in the position to help anybody else because we're so sick that we can't recognize that they're sick too. I'm preaching good right now. See, because churches are full of people that come to church every week, week after week, month after month, year after year, that are just as sick on that day as they were the very first day they walked in. Because the truth is, hear me carefully this morning, it's just because the medicine is in your house doesn't mean you've accessed the medicine. Just because you've got the the, the medicine sitting in your medicine cabinet doesn't mean that you walked in there and get it. Sometimes we'll sit around being sick and won't do nothing about it. And even though we've got the prescription in our own medicine cabinet because we just don't, we like to be sick. So my question is this morning is how long are you going to sit in here and be sick? How long are you going to stay in here and be diseased? How long are you going to limp in here and say, I can't help anybody else because I'm so distressed and so destroyed in my own life that I can't heal anybody else? I want to tell you something this morning. You can be in the presence of medicine and you can still die. You can sit right here the rest of your life and every week be prescribed medicine and every week take in medicine and hear about medicine and refuse to apply the medicine and you can die in this house sitting right there being just as sick as you were the first day you ever visited see we have bought a lie we believe that healing is passive hear me this morning the healing process is not passive because here's how we do it we just come to church we go i'll just sit here long enough and if i sit here long enough one of these days i'll be well enough to help everybody else Let me just teach you this morning that most of, if not all of the people in the New Testament that were healed by Jesus were not passive. I, I just remember the woman with the issue of blood. She wasn't very passive. We wouldn't like her in church because about the time we got our hands raised up and our eyes closed and our head tilted back, she would push through us to get to Jesus, knock us down. And I think about the blind man sitting on the side of the road. That his name wasn't in the bulletin. It wasn't in order. We, we would have probably tried to ushers take care of him. He's too loud. That's what we would have done. But he said, no, no, no. I am not going to be passive in this thing. I am so desperate for a touch from God that I will scream at the top of my lungs until I get over all the other noise and somebody listens to me. And I thought about the little girl who died. She's laying in her room dead, but her mom and dad We're not passive. Well, if Jesus might come into the neighborhood, he might be willing to stop by. Oh, no. We'll go search and seek out Jesus, and we'll drag him kicking and screaming to get him here to take care of our daughter if we have to. They were not passive. They were aggressive in the healing process. Let me tell you something. Some of you bought a lie, and here it is. Time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Time deepens your wounds. If you don't deal with your wombs, they will go deeper and they will grow roots and they will create bitterness in you and hurt in you and it won't make it better. The only thing that can make it better is for me to get aggressive in my healing and make some noise and seek out Jesus and do what i got to do to get well. What have you done lately to get well? What have you done lately to get whole? Or have you just been coming to church? That won't cut it. That's passive. Have you opened your own Bible? Have you been praying on your own? Have you been fasting on your own? Have you been listening to the Word of God in your car? What have you been doing to get well? Quit being so passive. It's time for some of you to get whole. It's time for some of you to get healed. You've been sick for too long. And your sickness is not unto death, as the Word of God says, but we act like we're dying, and therefore we refuse to help anybody because we're not healed. Get healed well in this house so that you can touch others the second thing that keeps us from helping anybody else is this we're too caught up in ourselves we can't help anybody else because all my attention is on me and we've forgotten that as a as a priest in galatians chapter 6 we've been given a command are you ready for it listen to this carefully stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful explanation of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will have a harvest, a good crop. If we don't give up or quit right now, therefore, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. He's saying to us that we can't get so caught up in ourselves that when we get into a situation like this, it's all about what I can get and whether I can get my praise on and whether I can get my goosebumps on, whether I can get my blessings today, whether I can get my, met, my needs met today. He's saying to us that we've got to get our attention and our focus off of ourselves onto those around us. I want you to look at your neighbor. Look at them real close. Look at them now. I know they clean up nice. And I know they're all pretty and and they smell good right now. But when is the last time you walked in here and sat down next next to somebody and looked past their shallow little smile deep into their eyes and recognized that there are folks in this house that are here every week on a regular basis that are filled with pain and devastation and destruction and they are sick and they need a helping hand? When is the last time that you took care of business and helped somebody else? That is our responsibility. The third reason we don't help anybody else is because to be able to diagnose people's sickness, you have to get close to them. See, doctors don't like to call it in. Have you ever been sick at home and you just feel so bad you don't want to go to the doctor's office and so you pick up the phone and say, Doctor, I need a prescription of antibiotics because I've got to whatever. And they go, No, 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 no. You've got to come to the office. Does that happen to you? That happens to me all the time. Oh, it makes me mad. Just call it in. No, we've got to seek you first. But the truth is, is the believers, as priests, most of us just want to call it in. We don't want to let anybody get close enough. And so what we do is we keep each other at an arm distance and we play on the surface level. So when we walk in, we say, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fine, man, fine. And in the, on the way to the church, we were bawling our heads off. But we don't want to let anybody get close to us and we don't want to get close to anybody. The priest in the Old Testament, when they were diagnosing the sickness, had to get their hands on folks. So close that they had to dig in and look at, I know this is gross, but they had to go right up on the scab and pull it back and look to see if it was bad or not. But when is the last time you walked in here and sat down next next to somebody and looked past their shallow little smile deep into their eyes and recognized that there are folks in this house that are here every week on a regular basis that are filled with pain and devastation and destruction and they are sick and they need a helping hand? When is the last time that you took care of business and helped somebody else? That is our responsibility. The third reason we don't help anybody else is because to be able to diagnose people's sickness, you have to get close to them. See, doctors don't like to call it in. Have you ever been sick at home and you just feel so bad you don't want to go to the doctor's office and so you pick up the phone and say, Doctor, I need a prescription of antibiotics because i got to whatever. And they go, no, 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 no. you got to come to the office. Does that happen to you? That happens to me all the time. Oh, it makes me mad. Just call it in. No, we got to see you first. But the truth is, as the believers, as priests, most of us just want to call it in. We don't want to let anybody get close enough. And so what we do is we keep each other at an arm distance and we play on the surface level. So when we walk in, we say, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fine, man, fine. And in the, on the way to the church, we were bawling our heads off. But we don't want to let anybody get close to us and we don't want to get close to anybody. The priest in the Old Testament, when they were diagnosing the sickness, had to get their hands on folks. So close that they had to dig in and look at, I know this is gross, but they had to go right up on the scab and pull it back and look to see if it was bad or not. But when is the last time you walked in here and sat down next next to somebody and looked past their shallow little smile deep into their eyes and recognized that there are folks in this house that are here every week on a regular basis that are filled with pain and devastation and destruction and they are sick and they need a helping hand? When is the last time that you took care of business and helped somebody else? That is our responsibility. The third reason we don't help anybody else is because to be able to diagnose people's sickness, you have to get close to them. See, doctors don't like to call it in. Have you ever been sick at home and you just feel so bad you don't want to go to the doctor's office and so you pick up the phone and say, Doctor, I need a prescription of antibiotics because i got to whatever. And they go, No, 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 no. you got to come to the office. Does that happen to you? That happens to me all the time. Oh, it makes me mad. Just call it in. No, we got to see you first. But the truth is, as the believers, as priests, most of us just want to call it in. We don't want to let anybody get close enough. And so what we do is we keep each other as an arm distance and we play on the surface level. So when we walk in, we say, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fine, man, fine. And in the, on the way to the church, we were bawling our heads off. But we don't want to let anybody get close to us and we don't want to get close to anybody. The priest in the Old Testament, when they were diagnosing the sickness, had to get their hands on folks. So close that they had to dig in and look at, I know this is gross, but they had to go right up on the scab and pull it back and look to see if it was bad or not. Oh, it's quiet in this house. We know how to experience God's glory in here because we get the lights right and the smoke right and the sound right and the song right but we don't seem to have any ability to transport, even though we're called priests and even though it is our responsibility and our obligation and our duty, we don't seem to have the ability to throw the glory up on our shoulders and walk it out into our parking lot and get into our car and drive it into our neighborhood and expose other people to it. You know why? Because I would say this, we are inept at transporting glory because we are inept at living holy. Take that one home and cook it for a little while. We can't carry the glory because we don't, we're unable to handle holy. And God says only holy folks can come around my glory. If you don't believe that, go ask Uzza What happens? You remember what he did? In an unholy moment, the ark get, begins to fall off the cart and he reaches out to stop it. And instantly God judges him and brings death into the camp. Because he wasn't holy. The priests that were called to transport glory had to be absolutely holy. They had to live pure. They had to live in a consecrated manner. They had to be set apart. They, it wasn't enough just to hang out in the glory. They had to be able to transport the glory. In the back of their minds, every morning when they woke up and every night when they went, bed, went to bed, they had to think, I got to be ready. I might be called on to transport the glory of God in the morning. I might be called on to transport the glory of God this afternoon. There there might come a moment this evening where God says, move, and I'm going to have to go in and come into the presence of God, and I better live holy. I better take care of business. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Every morning when you wake up, you ought to be thinking there is glory that has to be dealt with. Every afternoon when you're driving in the privacy of your own car, don't think anybody can hear what you're saying. You ought to, there ought to be a thought going on over your mind. I'm not at church, but there's glory I'm supposed to be transporting. In the evening when you're at home and you've got the TV remote in your hand and nobody else is around or when you're on your internet, nobody else is looking over your shoulder. The thought ought to go through your mind. I am responsible for carrying glory and i got to be holy all the time. All the time. The Bible very clearly describes in Exodus chapter twenty nine and Leviticus chapter twenty eight how they would purify the, the priest. This is what they would do. This is not a comfortable deal. They would walk them to the door of the tabernacle, right where everybody could see. Think about that. Everybody could see. And then they would publicly wash them from head to toe. Teaching us this it's not enough to be clean in the church. What's really important is whether you're clean out there where everybody can see. Everybody knows how to be clean in church. God is calling us to take care of business and move outside the church and take the glory, take the holiness that we talk about and we sing about and we read about in here and apply it to our life to the point that we can walk out of this place and be just as holy on Thursday night at 11 p.m. as we were on Sunday morning at 9.30 when the guy hit the right note on the keyboard. Because if we can do that, if we can take care of that business, can I tell you what will happen? We will transport the glory out of this place and we will transport it into our offices and into our neighborhoods and into our communities and into our homes and into our bedrooms and into our telephone conversations and into our emails. Everywhere we go, there will be holiness and there will be glory and it will produce health in That is the business that we are called to. TCB. Take care of business. I remind you that after David went back, after his debacle and he messed everything up, he went back and he discovered that the priest had to be consecrated. They had to make sacrifice and they had to worship to be able to transport glory effectively. And I want to tell you this morning, that is our recipe right there. We have to be consecrated. We have to make sacrifice, right? And we have to worship God in spirit and in truth. And that produces in us the ability to transport glory. So I'm calling you this morning to consecration again. You have a duty to take care of. You have a role to fulfill. You're not just some guy sitting in a church or some lady sitting in a church somewhere. You are a priest. I know you don't have the white clerical collar and you probably don't own any rosary beads and that's fine because you are called to be a priest for Jesus. And I'm telling you this morning that you have business to take care of and your first order of business is to diagnose sickness and produce remedy in folks. Not by my nor by power but by my spirit says God you can't produce health in them with your programs or your lights or your smoke or any of that the only thing that is going to allow you to produce health in people out there one thing glory that's what it takes I want you to stand with me this morning we have a job to do We are obligated. If we are going to be what God has called us to be, priests. Come on, you don't get to pick your name in this situation. I know you get to pick your kid's name and your grandkids' name, maybe, but you don't get to pick this name. Whether you like it or not, we are called priests. If you believe in Jesus, you are called a priest, whether you want to be or not. Whether you went to Bible school or not, you are a priest and because you are a priest you have duties the first two diagnose sickness bring remedy the second you are called in your daily life to transport glory what are you transporting come on now you got to ask yourself this question this morning i can't ask this for you, you got what am i transporting am I, am I transporting anger am i am i transporting bitterness am i am i uh, transporting hate Am I transporting? What am I transporting? Your role is to transport glory. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that, that your word is still alive and that it still applies to me today. And God, this morning, I take on the role that you've called me to. I am a priest. I pray that you would help me to remember that on a daily basis. I pray that every morning when I wake up, I would recognize that there is a business that I should be about. It's your business, and I'll take care of it. And I will diagnose the people. I won't settle for dealing with them at arm's distance. I won't settle for holding them at a distance. God, I will get involved in people's lives and I will look past their shallow smile. I'll get well myself. I'll get past myself. I'll get over my fear of contamination. And I'll get involved in their lives and I'll bring remedy to them. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, you would produce in us in this body, in every believer in this room, every priest in this room Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, you would produce in us a holiness that would allow us, that would position us to be able to transport glory to people who so desperately need a touch from you in Jesus name I want us to do this this morning if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, my deal is, is that I need a touch. I, I, I really haven't been able to heal anybody because I'm not healed. I, I have brokenness and hurt and pain in my own life. And, and so when I see other people with problems, I can't really respond to their problems. I don't even notice their problems at the time because there's sickness and hurt and pain and bitterness and brokenness, devastation in my own life. I haven't applied the medicine. And I'd say, Steve, I want to be healed this morning so that I can produce healing in others if that's you, I want you to raise your hand very quickly I need God to step in and produce a healing there's one, there's two, there's three anybody else, come on, be honest we're asking you to be honest this morning I have an area of brokenness in my heart anybody else, yeah, several more it's not enough to hear about the medicine you gotta apply the medicine Come on, we can't keep each other at arm's length. There are people, some of you standing around you right now that have their hands up. The only way that you can diagnose their sickness is to get right in the middle of it. I want you to find those that have hands up right now. Move quickly. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Some, there, You may be standing next to somebody right now that doesn't have their hand up. That you sense in your spirit is broken. That needs a touch from God. And I encourage you right now to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You may need to go to somebody that doesn't have their hand up right now. They're still playing the game. We ask God right now, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that healing would take place in this room this morning. God, we don't even have to know the details right now. We'll get into that later. But the truth is this morning is that we understand that if you can touch them one time, it can solve this issue. And so, Father, right now under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we ask you to step in and touch them right now. God, we refuse to just talk about the medicine any longer. We apply it to our life. We understand that healing is not a passive process. We pursue you right now. We make noise if we have to. We push past distraction if we have to. We do whatever we gotta do to get to you. Father, we ask you to heal us this morning. Heal us this morning. Heal the brokenness. Heal the the pain. Heal the devastation. Take care of the issues of our life this morning, oh God. Bring a complete and total wholeness into us, oh God. Right now, we ask you to do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, don't be afraid of them. Love on them. Just a minute. You don't have to be afraid. It won't rub off on you. Come on, love on them just a minute. Let God arise in you and love on them in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I come against every spirit of fear that has caused us to hold back at work, to hold back at home, to hold back in a community, to hold back in a church to hold back and be afraid of folks afraid that first they might contaminate us and second they might ask us a hard question Father I come against that fear the Bible says God that you have not given us a spirit of fear so if we have a spirit of fear we've taken it up on ourselves and we lay it down this morning and we begin to operate and walk in authority and dominion we don't have to be afraid of them the truth be known they should be afraid of us Because if they get in around us long enough, we declare that change is going to occur. That a transition is going to take place and their life is going to forever be changed. So God, I come against any spirit of timidity that would overtake us, that we would carry into our workplace or where we live. And God, I pray that you would allow to walk out of this place people that are strong and mighty and secure in their calling. And with a remedy, your glory all over us. May it overtake every part of our life. God, help us to learn to transport glory by living holy. Call us to purity this morning. Will you just join me this morning in prayer, prayer, purity, Father? I ask you to examine every area of my life. And if there's any area in my life that would keep me from being a candidate to carry your glory, God, I ask you to purify me right now areas of my life that I may not be aware of that are in a a, a reproach against you God I pray that in the name of Jesus you would convict me of those things right now Father the areas of my life that I know about those areas of my life that I know about that I willingly disobey you or willingly go my own way or willingly get involved in things that I have no business getting involved in Father I open my life to you as an open book this morning And I ask you to consecrate me, not just in this house, but out in public where everybody's watching. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would wash me and make me clean. So that when somebody comes to me and needs help, I won't have a cliche. I won't have a cute saying. I won't have an I don't know attitude or. Let me call my pastor or let me call my counselor. But, Father, what will happen is that in that moment, that glory that resides in me will rise up and overtake them. And not only will I see their sickness, I will help them find healing for their sickness. So, Father, we leave this place today as glory transporters we are not to be glory hoarders we are glory transporters so father we carry the glory that we've experienced in this house this morning and we ask you to let it permeate every area of our life and God I pray the things that you said would follow us would begin to follow us we would take authority over spiritual powers. We would take authority over physical sickness. And everywhere we go, signs and wonders would follow us so that others would follow us to you. That's our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to find your neighbor right now and I want you to look at him and I want you to say, you have business that you are supposed to be taken care of, T-C-B. And you're free to leave this morning. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday for Passion University. And prayer tomorrow night. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.